Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. The rain is officially back here in Portland. A couple of weeks ago, I was longing for it. Now I'm, I'm uh, ready to get out of it already. So uh, we're, we're in that season here, and I'm excited to have a new episode and my next guest, who is Jeff Snyder, who's a sales trainer, coach, and sales consultant. And Jeff is someone I've been following his content for a while, never met him, reached out, and I'm looking forward to the conversation today. So Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm excited to be here. So I think a good place to start is just, if you don't mind, just yeah. uh, well, about your, yourself and your business. Yeah. My business is Sandler, Sandler Training. I've been doing this for about 16 years now, and I do sales training and coaching and consulting and help individuals and businesses improve their selling performance. Excellent. And I know, I mean, originally, you, well, you're doing it from Portland. You've moved. Yeah. You've got a couple of places. So I think that'd be fun to talk about just like the remote side of, of your work and what yeah. you're doing now. I think a good place to start is maybe like a state of sales. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a broad question about where is, if you're a salesperson in today's economy or you're early in your career, you know, what are, where are we at when you're talking, you're out there talking to a lot of salespeople, I'd love for you just to give a little update. I, I just think there's so much opportunity these days for, you know, they, they talked about the K-shaped uh, recovery, you know, coming out of the recession. And for those who aren't familiar with the K-shape, that means some people went down, some people went up. I think it's becoming highly predictable who the winners and losers are in our economy. And people who are smart, they're ambitious, they're, you know, digitally savvy, you know, kind of understand business trends. I think the world is their oyster. And I work with so many software companies, for instance, these days, and I see people in their 20s who are educated and choose to go into sales and they're making a killing and they're moving up so quickly in the world and they're calling the shot. So I don't know. I, I think there's never been more opportunities for smart, ambitious salespeople than there is today. So Jeff, what are you hearing from your clients you're working with as far as as they look into next year mm -hmm. in budgets and just uh, some trepidation. I'm curious the, on the, the front of hiring salespeople on that. Right. You know, on that way. Right, right. Well, I hear lots of things, you know, and, and we all hear in the news that uh, the Fed is raising interest rates and eventually it's going to result in layoffs. And although the jobs report came out today and it looked good once again, 
Yeah. Um, it's funny when, when you start rooting for people to lose their jobs so that the stock market can get back to normal. It's, it's a weird economy <laughs> that we live in right now. There. <laughs> right. But some salespeople that I'm speaking to are hearing that orders are slowing down. And, you know, some, I haven't heard of anybody getting laid off yet, but okay. some of my clients' clients are experiencing some layoffs. And I look at this like I've been through a lot of economic cycles. This is just normal. I mean, companies and industries heat up and they grow and they grow at an unsustainable rate and their stock grows at an unsustainable rate. And at some point there has to be some corrections. You know, we're in Oregon, Intel announced layoffs. We haven't heard how many yet, mm-hmm. but it's, it's inevitable that these things happen from time to time. Good salespeople are going to weather the storm because economic downturns don't last more than six to 18 months typically. And they also position themselves for the inevitable comeback, which happens much quicker, the recovery, than most people anticipate. You know, it's funny because in good times, I talk to salespeople and business owners and they go, oh, we're so busy. We just can't keep up. I mean, think about supply chain shortages. What, what, What was that a symbol of? An economy that was too hot, right? So, yeah. so these things get corrected. You complain about traffic in Portland. Guess what? The recession will fix up. <laughs> I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying these are yeah, normal yeah. ebbs and flows. Yeah. And it's hard, sometimes it's hard to remember that. Uh-huh. I think and I was fine. I was having coffee with kind of a connection last week and he's 33 and he readily admitted it. He's like, I came out of college. I've only seen good economic yeah. times. Yeah. So, but, but he was very aware of it. Yeah, I, too, I read but. an article recently that really had to make me think. It said technology workers under the age of 40 have never been through a recession. And I had to right. think to myself, wait a minute, how about 2008? And evidently for technology companies, very few of them had anything more than a minor hiccup. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. technology workers who are 40 years old, most of them have never been through a round of layoffs have never been through anything that we would consider a true recession. So this is foreign to them. And maybe that's why there's so much trepidation, particularly for salespeople and technology. And so what's the sales career? How how has it changed? Because we're looking specifically at like uh, tech companies or software companies. There's this title many people know about. It's the SDR or BDR. Mm-hmm. So for people who are not familiar with that role, do you mind kind of explaining it? And sure. I'm not sure how you interact with it. Sure. So BDRs are business development reps, SDRs are sales development reps. Usually it means the same thing. Some companies, they stratify between those two, that there's a, a team for um, you know cold reach out and a team for dealing with marketing qualified leads. But in most companies, there's been this progression from you're an SDR for a couple of years. If you're good, you get promoted into being an account executive, the person who's actually, you know, more technical and uh, is dealing with the entire sales cycle. Maybe you eventually move from uh, SMB, a small, medium-sized business unit into enterprise or, you know, something along those lines, and eventually into sales management and leadership. That's, that's kind of been the traditional career path. I still think that there is a traditional career path in many organizations from SDR to AE. One of the things I'm seeing, though, is that it may or may not be the logical progression into sales management. I I, I think a Mm. lot of them are looking at the leadership path saying, I don't know if I want that. I I enjoy the job that I have right now. I enjoy my freedom, you know? So again, COVID has been a silver lining for me, as we were discussing before we started, it allowed me to leave Portland and have a home in Sun River and a home in Cabo San Lucas and work wherever I want, whenever I want. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I, I love being a digital nomad. 
of sorts. I guess I'm not really a nomad of bi-mad. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. but I, um, I love it. And I, I know a lot of my clients do as well. And they understand that when you get into a leadership position, you're a bit more anchored in terms mm. of, you know, the, having to go to HQ and having to answer to people, whereas you have a lot of freedom and the capacity to make a lot of money as an account executive, particularly in technology sales. And I think a lot of people say, why would I not continue to do this? Yeah. And it's, we, you know, in pri- previous jobs I've had, I've known several folks that are, you know, account executives and they've got asked to step in management and it's a, it's a big fat no. Right. 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 <laughs> and so I think too, um, the demands or I guess the expectations of becoming a leader are different too. And, and again, in previous jobs, a lot of those folks that become sales managers, it's because they were so good in their previous yes. roles, but that doesn't necessarily translate to them being a good leader. It does. And, it and does. Man, manager, right? My, my path was just that. I was in media sales and I became the top rep at my television station, got promoted to sales management. And it quickly dawned on me that the skill sets and tasks, you know, functions of the job were very different. I really wasn't prepared for it. Except in certain ways, there were certain things that I felt very naturally capable of doing. And that was training and coaching and mentoring salespeople. I've been kind Mm -hmm. of doing it for many years previously anyway. And so Mm -hmm. I gravitated toward that part of it. And that was the part I really loved. But I think that um, for many people, they, they don't see those parts of the job as being, put it this way. There was never a week when I was in sales management when I didn't long to be back in sales. <laughs> there were things that I liked <laughs> yeah, about yeah. the sales management role, but right. the velocity of problems that came at me. I, I remember mm. vividly my first month on the job, my boss chewing me out because of what one of my reps had done. I'm like, they did it, not me. And my boss just said, everything they did is your responsibility. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> And well, the shift, uh, I know you do a lot of, you know, training and, and coaching. So the shift in that mindset, hopefully is like you mentioned more of a mentorship yes. kind of capacity, right? Yes. And those, um, are you, so are you seeing folks that are becoming better at that, uh, that mentorship type of leadership, or is it still, you know, necessary for someone like you to, to help coach folks through that? I think that the, so the word coaching is something that gets bandied about a lot these days, being a coaching mm-hmm. leader. We, we talk about a lot in Sam, but we've written books on the topic. Um, it's it certainly, you know, I have a sales management program and, and I'm working with people. We, we like to say that there's four key functions of a sales leader. It's supervising, training, coaching, and mentoring. And the supervising role is the one that most people understand, but also a lot of people are uncomfortable with it when they first come into the role. The idea that maybe they have gotten as far as they've gotten somewhat because they're a nice person, they're engaging, they want to please people. And then all of a sudden they find themselves supervised and they realize that that mindset, that approach doesn't always work. Certainly that was my experience. I I was shocked that I had people on my team that I had to get tough with. I had to say, look, Mm. what are you doing and why? And we need this, not that. And then they responded. But until I did that, I didn't get any response from them. That was foreign to me. Um, But increasingly, I think coaching is what people want and need. And there's also a recognition that, particularly, I think, in technology companies, highly successful companies, that your greatest asset is your people. And you don't want to lose them to other companies. You want to hold on to them. 
And therefore, you have to provide an environment and a career track which is suitable to them. And that means coaching is a prerequisite to be able to uh, attract and retain top talent. And that's a shift for some companies, right? Sometimes it's very top down, old school, traditional kind of management versus the shift to that. I think a lot of I'm fortunate enough that I get to speak to a lot of different leaders here locally. And um, it's always encouraging to hear so many of um, grasping that and understand yeah, that. Yeah. But there's a lot that don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's true. <laughs> and, and so a lot of it is do you see salespeople as being interchangeable parts that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you lose one, you just go get another one? Or employees in general, right? Or do you see them as being a very valuable resource that you are fighting to be able to attract and retain? You're doing everything in your power. I mean, I was a sales manager of the NBC television station here in Bend 20 some odd years ago. And I love being in Bend and I love the job, but I left three years later because I could attract people to me who would work for me, but they wouldn't stay just because of the deficiencies of the small market television stations. And right. so I just could not offer them perks that would be nice to have, even basics, mm-hmm. right? And so I got frustrated, moved up to a bigger market because I knew that there were more opportunities there. And, and so I, I think that there's a recognition, particularly with technology companies, that we have to create a work environment that is going to want to make these people come to work and work here because we have competition and um, we, we have to treat them well. And coaching is a part of that. How can I, mean, I yeah, help but- you achieve your goals? Right. And I would say we could have a two hour conversation just about that. And I, I find that it's so it's changing so much and it has so much during the pandemic. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. A um, couple of, you know, I have a few things I really wanted to talk to you while we have time still is one, just being a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. So you're a business of one. I am a business of one. And I'm curious to see how that might be changing for folks that are salespeople that might be more of a, like a, I hate to use the term hired gun, yeah. but it seems like the dynamic of uh, contract or on-demand work and different functions is becoming more and more ex- accepted yeah. for a limited. T- so I'm, are you seeing that in the sales world? Uh, maybe it's like a, instead of like an interim VP of sales or like this is my tour of duty for six months. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah I am. Thing. I am. And, and I, I think it's, a, again, a natural progression for certain people. I haven't seen it as much with SDRs and AEs, but certainly at, at the sales leadership level, you're, you're, you're seeing more and more of it. And, and it makes sense um, at some levels because people want autonomy. Um, and it is difficult to get the best talent that you possibly can to make a commitment to your company, sometimes longer than a three month or a six month stint. However, if you can get them to uh, give it a try and interact with uh, people within the company, sometimes they fall in love with it and then you can land them for longer term. But yeah, I, I do think that I'm a big fan of entrepreneurialism in general. And so I encourage salespeople to think of themselves and their career path as being entrepreneurial. And I just think that there is so much benefit to society in general and individuals in particular when I, I actually started writing a book a couple of years ago called Quit Your Job. I only got seven mm-hmm. pages in. I, 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 there's more okay. research I have to do, so don't be impressed. I'm not signing uh, copies. But, but the premise was that a lot of people are unhappy because they thought their job would bring much more fulfillment to them than it did. And they get to mid-career and they're like, is this all there is? 
Whereas yeah. the idea, our, our country was formed on entrepreneurialism. That the concept of a job is a fairly recent phenomenon. It's the industrial revolution where people, you know, left agrarian entrepreneurial sorts of situations to go to the cities for jobs. And, and I, I think that for many people, the job, you know, the reason why people have moved towards this coaching model is I think a recognition that a, a job in and of itself does not bring the fulfillment that people would want. Also, there's 100%. a lot of conformity that has to take place. Whereas when you're a freelancer, an independent contractor, an entrepreneur, you can kind of say, you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm, and uh, hopefully we're seeing employers embrace that a little more. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, you know, if an employer found out you had a side gig right. or something, it was like yeah. a big deal. You could get fired yeah. for that. Yeah. And you've seen some progressive employers seeing like, oh, that's actually a benefit. Yeah. Right. And it kind of comes back to another thing I want to talk to you about of, I hate the, the word personal brand, but also just building maybe a reputation, like say, cause you know, we had never met and I've been following your content and it prompted me to reach out to yeah. you. And so your journey of taking that on and then your advice to other folks who maybe be later in their career to do that. Cause I think there's a lot of, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to create videos right. and put them out there right. of, uh, yeah. of me. And there's probably a lot of resistance to it specifically for people that are later in their career. Yeah. So I'm just curious of your journey yeah. of that. Yeah. So I am not a early adopter. I'm not uh, in any way a, a leader when it comes to social media or anything like that. But I eventually figured out that it was a place where I needed to be. And uh, I began with content curation, you know, just taking things other people have written and posting them and making a little comment on it. And at some point I decided, okay, I want to do video. And I knew that I had stuff that I had to say, but I, I think that I conformed initially to what I felt I was supposed to do. I'm a sales trainer. I should just speak on sales related topics and just the Sandler, you know, um, material. But mm -hmm. as I started to let my own personality and beliefs and experiences bleed through, I got better results. And so I, I just decided I'm, I'm going to follow my own passions. My own passions these days include, you know, human behavior, psychology, behavioral economics, um, human potential, all of those sorts of things and spiritual uh, stuff as well. And so I just decided there's going to be certain people that like the way Jeff Schneider does Sandler in sales training, there are certain people that won't be interested in it. Mm. And so I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to get out of the studio and stop trying to be super professional. I'm just going to walk around in nature and, uh, you know, show up in places that I like. And if people like that, great, that'll just be a part of what I do as well. And I know it's not for everybody, but I, I no longer do any post-production editing or anything like that. It's funny. I have people say, what are you using these days? Well, it's an iPhone 13 and a selfie stick. Do you want that's <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, what yeah. I do. <laughs> well, it resonates though, because, you know, I've seen you share, like you talked about your journey of moving mm -hmm. to Sun River. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a fine balance of, right. You got to be authentic to who, who, who you are and some people will not resonate, but I think it's those kind of things are, are blurring and it's like, it's refreshing. Yes. Yes. Right. So, um, people, has like, it been, people yeah, yeah. like to hear stories, right? People yeah. are, we're, we're hooked on stories. It's evolutionary. That's, that's how information is passed down throughout uh, millennia. And so whenever I can share my own personal story, I think people are interested in hearing it. It rings authentic, right? So whenever I cannot use you language and instead use I language, 
I think it intrigues people. I've noticed on LinkedIn that when people share more personal things, like what their daughter is accomplished or that they ran a marathon or whatever, right. those go, I mean, people like pictures. They don't want to read articles and people like videos, but particularly when they're not so slick and it's just, here's my journey, right? You've used that word numerous times. I think that resonates yeah. with people. Yeah, it, it seems even more so in the past year or two as we've flocked to, uh, you know, things like this, Zoom. And, you know, prior to the pandemic, I remember in March, someone sent me a Zoom link. <laughs> I didn't know how the hell to use it. As <laughs> 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 so I was thinking about this last time, I'm yeah. like, I can't believe I'm doing so many things. So it's like a mo quote unquote modern salesperson. Yeah. Um, embracing these tools. And now you're obviously doing trainings yeah. and a lot of your coaching through these Zoom and things. How's that changed? What are the tools maybe people that are should embrace? Or is it just kind of just be where people are, are at? Or I'm just always curious how those things are evolving. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not a technology expert, uh, like far from it. But, um, you know, mm -hmm. I use Zoom. And so as a trainer, um, I was reluctant to start using uh, Zoom or some of the other tools out there because I had my training center and I would have, you know, my board behind me and I would have 10, 15, 20 people in front of me. And then I'd like put my television up here with a Zoom screen. There'd be two or three people remote. And I always had to decide, right. am I going to focus on the people in the room or the people remotely? I, I thought the hybrid thing just did not work at all. So when COVID came and we had no choice, it became so easy. We just all went on Zoom. And, and it's like, if I forget your name, I'm like, oh, yeah, Dan. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. I literally had people in my classroom who would sit next to each other for three, four months and not know each other's names. Wow. Yeah. But now, yeah. now it's like, and the other thing is we're all facing me, whereas now we all see each other all the time. And I love going into yeah. the breakout rooms. I just got done doing a boot camp with 19 people and I put them in breakout rooms four times. And th those are the best parts is, is I have them yeah. doing something. And then we come back and talk about it as a larger group. It's actually better. It, and, and you mm. don't have to drive into downtown Portland and battle with stuff. You know, it's just right. better. So, yeah, I, I say embrace it. And one of the things that I've been talking with people about is getting accustomed to, it's not so much technology. It's more like I have a broadcasting background. So you want to get comfortable with your face being on camera, with lighting, mm. with, you know, not being way back here so somebody can't see you, but, but actually having your face, people probably can't see it. They're listening right now. But I mean, if you only see half my face, I'm shrinking down here. That, that isn't cool, right? So get, right. I actually lift my camera up, you know, up to eye level. I put books and boxes underneath mm -hmm. because this is more of a broadcasting kind of look. And anyway, just things like that. But, but I, I think our brains will evolve quickly around this because this is going to be the new normal for how salespeople sell. And, and it's important that we get the buyer comfortable with it too, like cameras are. So for instance, yeah. one of the things that I teach people is when you're trying to set up a Zoom meeting, set an upfront contract that sounds something like, Dan, I'd love to fly to Chicago and meet with you in person and spend half a day and see your setup. Probably premature at this point. I don't think I can justify the flight, but what we do the next best thing and set up a 30 minute Zoom so that we can have a face to face chat, ask each other some questions, see if there's a good fit. And it seems like folks are just, you know, all the things I'm doing, there's no pushback to that. No. Right. But again, I want the default uh, to be yeah. face to face, camera on. I always want to yeah. be explicit about that. So I'm not surprised with, when three people are on the other side with cameras off because that's kind of a death march. Yeah. 
Well, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, I'm curious just for you, like what's next for you as far as like sales training and your, your business and, you know, you're in Mexico, right. you're in Sun, you're Sun River, you're doing what a lot of us want yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you worked very hard for it. And you, you talked about some of this on your content. Uh, I encourage folks to follow you on LinkedIn. Um, so what's kind of next for your business or trends you think? You know, gonna help there, you? there's things I want to do. And I just have to make the time to do them. So my wife and I have talked about getting an RV and going across to mainland Mexico and exploring all the beaches all the way down to Acapulco, just one beach after another. Uh, she's going to become a life coach here. She's in the medical field, um, but that will free us up to be able to do that. And then just do my training and coaching at whatever beach we're at, uh, at the RV. I mean, that's, that's a dream. Another thing I want to do is write. I feel like I got some books inside of me. I've started a couple. I haven't finished any. And uh, so just figuring out what that looks like. And a lot of that is I, I read a lot. And so I, I want to, I don't want to just regurgitate what I've heard other people say, but I've also spoken to other authors who've said, nobody has an original thought, you know, it's just the way you're telling <laughs> yeah. the story. And it, I also like what you're doing, Dan. I, I love the idea of a podcast. I, I like interactive conversations with smart, savvy people. So I, I can see myself doing a little bit of that too. I mean, I absolutely encourage you to do a podcast and the the tools since the pandemic. We were on a we had some technical issues on the other yeah. platform. We're just back to yeah. Zoom, but there's a lot more platforms that make it easy to clip up videos. And I'm like you, I selfishly I've been doing this for five years now and I love talking to people. Yeah. So I'm like, this is a reason for me to learn a lot, but sh share it too, yeah. right? Yeah. So cool. I think that's great. You just get that Starlink, put it on your uh, RV and, nice. and, and, that's right. and do it. Right. right. <laughs> um, so Jeff, before we go, where can people find out more about your trainings or follow you? Yeah. Uh, love you to share that. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. Certainly uh, LinkedIn, Jeff Schneider, Sandler Training. Uh, let's connect there. Uh, you can go out to my YouTube page. So I have a couple hundred videos out there. Search Jeff Schneider Sandler Training. Um, if people are interested in uh, my uh, boot camps and other training options, they can go out to my website, which is schneider.sandler.com. Uh, look at the event calendar. And uh, I also do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching these days. Increasingly, um, I, I feel like that's where a lot of the action is. So email me jeffs at sandler.com and happy to set up a free 30 minute initial coaching call and see if that's something which could be beneficial. Well, thanks Jeff for sharing time. And again, I, I love, you know, your content and I've been following it and it's great to talk with you and just see how you're, uh, you've kind of integrated all these new tools and evolution of sales for yourself, but providing a lot of value. So, yeah. you know, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on. My the pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Let's do it again sometime. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.